Hey, Dog Speak Geeks. Do you ever feel frustrated? Well, your dog does. Frustration occurs when an animal is interrupted in reaching their goals. Unfortunately, this occurs all too often in the modern world when a dog's goals do not align with those of their human companion. This can be a source of distress for both you and your dog, but it can also lead to the development of problem behaviors and can damage the relationship that you have with your dog. But we have answers for you. Join us for a two-day in-person seminar October 5th and 6th with instruction by Daniel Shaw. Daniel Shaw is an animal behaviorist with a background in animal behavior, psychology, and neuroscience. He will be talking about what frustration is and how it can be identified, the difficulty of conventional approaches in resolving frustration, what influences the value of rewards, as well as supporting frustrated dogs and building frustration tolerance. You can buy early bird tickets now until August the 5th, and be sure that you join us for our pre-seminar social Friday evening where you can meet Daniel and the Dog Speak team. We look forward to seeing you October 5th and 6th in Nashville, Tennessee for the Neuroscience of Resolving Frustration in Dogs seminar. Okay, what's up? Hey, did you know in Bentonville, Arkansas this weekend, they had a testicle festival? Jesus Christ. Hey, you guys. Doc Speak here. Um, Brett, could you just expand? Look, this is what happened. This is why you guys heard that before the intros. I was trying to do a sound check, and that's what she said, and that's how it came out, and I just left it. So now you have to tell us more about this I don't understand testing. why I can't just do a one-two testing but that feels Nobody asked you to do awkward. a testicle festival comment, but you did. No, listen. Yeah, please tell this, me. This happened in Bentonville, Arkansas. I think a lot make us look better. I think a lot of bacon or something's from there. There's something from there famous. Um, yeah, they had um, oh god, they had bull testicle treats, a wet t-shirt competition, and other wacky events. However, there were a lot of issues with the festival. A lot of malfunctions with some fryers. Uh, they had ball shortages. <laughs> bull <laughs> talking about. The edible kind. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I can't make this up. So they had a ball shortage. Does that mean that men showed up without their wives since the wives keep it in their purse? I have no idea. And then Arkansas has very strict morality laws that restrict nudity and ludity. So it's not like anybody could actually... There was no like ball contest, like best testicle contest, My guess right? is that was probably the issue in the cards but i don't even know the government was like i don't think that's a great idea (laughs) i don't know i was just scrolling through instagram minding my business looking to see if my dog's grooming picture her monthly grooming picture was up and that's what i found i just can't look i was with a 200 pound great dane yesterday that i'm pretty sure his testicles Weighed more than my head. This is enough to talk about. Testicles. Yeah, I'm done. You're done with testicles. I'm done with this conversation. All right. Well, we are, we'll move on then to our, our part two, to if you and your dog were in therapy. 
If there was family counseling involved, what would your dog say? Hey, before we get started on that, can we share some good news? Uh, do we have some? Courtesy of the uh, Pet Professionals Guild? Absolutely, y'all. This is amazing. Britt just spent the whole time reading this whole article. So yes, let's I didn't share just read this. an article. I Not read an article, but like the whole 36 pages or something. 34 or 36 pages of a legal document. Um, yeah, class. Uh, what am I trying to say? Class, class action. Class action lawsuit. Lawsuit in California against um, radio systems who does shock collars. So bark collars, invisible fence, um, your e-collars. Yeah. Any type of e-collar that people say to make it nicer for false advertising and false marketing, um, that they don't disclose the risks. Um, so there's a lawsuit finally against them. They've been working on this for years. Uh, it's just in California, but it's a start start because you know, it's outlawed in other countries. E-collars, prong collars, choke chains are all outlawed in a lot of other countries. Would you like me to tell you which countries? Why well, it's yeah, in I there. Mean, I could tell you a few, but yeah. Go ahead. Tell Wales, us a few. Wales, Scotland, Ireland, Denmark, Germany, parts of Australia and New Zealand. And then there are a couple others. But mm-hmm. I yeah. I mean look we put Switzerland is one. We but, put warnings on cigarettes that they cause cancer. We yep. put warnings on hair dryers to not use in the bathtub because you might die. You're right. They've been. It's been false advertisement of these electronic collars. It's so detrimental, and the use of invisible fences. And I understand that some people don't have any option, but like having an invisible fence, um, I would recommend putting in, you know, tie out lines, um, running lines, things like that, instead of using an invisible fence. But if you are going to use an invisible fence, please don't put it in your front yard. I can't tell you how many reactive dogs we're getting because they had a chance just to run up and down the fence line, barking at people and other dogs, and not to mention getting that beep, which is then associated with the shot coming, but then is also associated with the people or the dogs walking. So please, there's there are other good there are other ways to do this. Yeah, and I'll put the link if anyone's interested and nerdy like me who wants to read this entire put this in the show notes. Thing. I'll yeah, put that'd it in be the good. show notes. Um. But it was a, it was a great email to get today. Yes, it's, it's a start. And um, you know, Petco years ago quit carrying um, any type of e collar. Yes, in their store. Um, so now they just need to stop with the prong collars and choke chains. It, yeah, and we are almost there for that Petco. Too. That too. But they did. Uh, there's science in this thing, man. It's hard. So to, I keep trying to tell people. Hard to dispute. Look, it's. it's People say, well, and I actually had a client yesterday ask me, he said, well, when did the old way of teaching stop working? Because he grew up like I did. You mm-hmm. know, you used, you used dominant kind of techniques and firm voices and all that. And I said, well, the thing is, is that it hasn't stopped working. Fear doesn't stop working. Well, it's like. It's that do parents- you really want to teach using fear? Yeah. And, and, and she was like, well, we didn't do that to our kids. All right. So don't do it to your dog because your kid is actually better suited for this world than your dog is. So why are we harder on our dogs mm-hmm. than we are on our children? Right. You know, it's like people who say, well, I got spanked. Like, why would. I did. I got spanked. Uh, because science, man. Because science says do better. There are other ways. That's why there are other ways. And, and I have learned a lot and, and I, you know, and I was talking that I'm raising 
Mr. Myers very different than I did my Rottweilers. You know, and, and the, it's funny because the same um, client asked me, he said, well, you're a dog trainer, so you should have a perfect dog. What's your routine like during That's the day? That's funny. That's so what I said. I started laughing. I said, well, here's the problem with that perfect dog scenario is he has his own brain, his own brainstem, his own thoughts, his own desires, his own wants, his own needs. It's my job to develop that relationship with him, not to turn him into something that I think he should look like, nor turn him into something that the, the public thinks he should be. And it took me years to get there. Mm-hmm. Because yes, when you're a dog trainer, you want your dog to look great. I, to me, like, okay, so we went to a birthday party. Clark's, y'all, Clark's birthday was Saturday. Happy He's birthday, four. Clark. Happy birthday, Clark. Southern Dew Clark. Go follow him on Instagram if you haven't. But, and he's on TikTok too, I think. But, and Clark is our helper for reactive dogs. But taking little man there, I told everybody that was there, he's allowed to jump, just so you know. That's my rule. I'm okay with it because I don't have to bend over to pet him. He can stand up. I can pet his little head. It's mm-hmm. fantastic. I don't mind the jumping. If they don't like it, they can ignore it. But also, I didn't spend a bunch of time giving him a bunch of commands to show how good my dog is. And I have, I've been known to do that in the past. It's been a couple of decades, but I've done it. Mm-hmm. No, I just want him to have a good time, be respectful of the other dogs. And when I did need him to respond, that he did it. And he responded to me 99% of the time. Oh, he did really well. He did awesome. Yeah. I, and he had such a good time. To me, that's what it was about. I had a good time. He had a good time. And we could share that moment together. Mm-hmm. And so does my dog respond to every little command I give every second of the day? No. I also don't do what I'm told every single second of the day. That doesn't make me a less of a trainer or a human being. And it doesn't make my dog any less of a, of a great dog. So I say this to help you guys understand that, number one, stop worrying about what other people think about your dog. Um, two, um, you help your dog learn the lifestyle that you want to live with your dog. Mm-hmm. That is it. You don't try to fit your dog into my box, your box. I'm looking at Brittany on that one. Your mother's box, your, you know, you get the dog that fits into your box and what you want. Now, I don't mean let your dog jump all over your guest and like break their nose. I think that there has to be still some respect of when our when we have guests come into our home. But I do think that there's a way to do it to help people explain. And then like, so like if I have my mother over, she does not like dogs on her. So I don't have Myers out. If I do, he's with me and he's not allowed to approach her because he does jump. And my mother is notorious about wearing white pants to my house where I've always had black dogs. Mm-hmm. So... I learned that I would like, I would love to have her over and spend time with her. And if that means my dog needing to be put away for a while, I'm okay with that. I'm not going to make her go through it. Right. Yeah. But, you know, I'm not going to let her also tell me that my dog needs to be better at something, which she doesn't, but. Which I put Isabella on a leash. Yes. Because she loves people. Yeah. And your dad wants to see her. (laughs) <laughs> daddy wants to see her and he's okay if she jumps a little bit if he's sitting down yeah um and he's okay with Myers but Isabella would be one of those where she's now gotten enough people around her 
that love her so much that she's been jumping in people's laps. We had a Halloween party Saturday. Because oh, they let her. And she and Meyer stayed out the whole time, and Clark was here. And it was a really fun time. And that was the first time we've had a party where all the dogs, I say all, I were two, and Clark, were just out the whole time. Yeah. And it was beautiful. Yeah. And it's the fir- it was the first for Isabella. I don't think it was the first for Myers, but it's the first like party where she's been out the entire time. And she did really well. Oh, yeah. She, she just wanted people to get off her damn ottoman outside so she could lay down <laughs> and chill out. She did. So it was really cute. She did. She was wearing her dolly shirt. She did have her dolly shirt. Michael post- Myers, of course, had his Michael Myers outfit on. I a picture of that. Yeah, you need to post that. Yeah. Because I posted Myers today. And Gray, Amanda, and I. The one I had with Clark. Clark was really cute. He had a lion mane on because he was the cowardly lion. But my pooch looked really bad in that little outfit of mine. So, y'all, I didn't give you the ones Clark because I was self-conscious about my pooch. Lord have mercy. And I'm not sure if it was really my pooch or if it was just that horrible outfit from Amazon. But I was the founder of Jazzercise. It was great. That's fantastic. Yeah. I should have posted yours with you being like Elvira or something. It's not Elvira. You were. I was the. I was a granddaughter of the witch they could not burn. <laughs> I, I mean, I had no idea, but the way you just said that was like you were so matter of fact with that. Like I was the granddaughter of the witch they could not burn. I went, my, I went the feminist route on it. You really did. That was awesome. Also, I got my costume. Three hours before the party or something like that. It was five. Okay. But that's all right. And I didn't think it turns I was going to find that. If you buy a cape, I recommend that everyone just goes and buys a cape. You seriously are all if you into need, this cape? If you need a confidence booster, just wear a damn cape around. Look, if I had a client on Monday, I think I'd show up with that cape. I'm considering. I have a so I have a business meeting. I've got to fly out to a business meeting. On <laughs> you should take it. The day after Halloween. you got to take it. I am... Seriously considering putting it in my carry-on, walking into the office in North Carolina, and like with that cape on, I just think you walking should. through the office with it and showing up to the meeting. Okay, look, I mean, listeners, I need you to send us emails and say, "Do it." My coworker do it. would do. My coworkers it. would do it. Probably appreciate. They it. would actually love it. They would love it, especially because most of them, they, I think, they probably know how crazy I am about Halloween. Well, they just know how crazy I am. I mean, we take Halloween off. I'm just... Right? We do not work on Halloween. No, no. We're we're off. I'm using a PTO day for that. Absolutely, right? So that's how serious we are, y'all. But yeah. So, all right. Now that we got all that out of the way. It's enough jibber-jabber. It's good jibber-jabber, though. All right. You ready? Yeah, I'm just still trying to digest this testicle festival. <laughs> testicle festival. I don't. I don't think it digest so well. I don't think digest is the correct term, but it probably is not. Um, so we're just going to go on to our family counseling, which I feel like we need right I now. I feel like I need now that I've seen and I saw pictures. Look, Arkansas. For those of are our y'all listeners, o- are look, y'all okay? <laughs> for the listeners that do not live in the United States of America. Please do not judge us by the state of Arkansas. For my Arkansas listeners, I love you and I adore you. You are who you are, just like we are who we are. California is who they are. we That's what makes us so beautiful. We are all very different in each little state that we live in. But the Testicle Festival, 
That's not going to make us look any better. It's not. <laughs> All right. So that we've spent 15 minutes bantering back and forth. Let's get to our part two of family counseling. Do you want to start? Or do you want me to start? You go ahead because I don't even know what questions you have. And Okay. So uh, Debbie and Maya. Uh, Debbie says that Maya, who is a German shepherd. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to, I'm pretty sure it's a German shepherd. It's what she's had. Uh, I think this is a rescue dog. Um, she thinks that Maya would say that Deb needs a little more consistency. <laughs> and Debbie needs to understand her need to bark at weekly events like the trash truck, the neighbor's landscape guys that come every week. You know those type things. And this is what I'm going to tell Debbie. Maya's right, <laughs> right? You have a German Shepherd. All right. Yes, herding, but also a guardian breed. So your dog is supposed to be barking at these things. And I think that if you understand that, that will first help you kind of be a little more patient. But I also understand how barking is very obnoxious because I'm dealing, Myers is having a really bad day today. The wind is blowing so hard today. And so every little noise, he has really been barking. He is, he's been in his crate. This is probably the third time he's been in his crate today because he is just having a rough day. He needs some decompression. He totally needs some decompression. But there was nothing that's really specific. But if you have a dog who's like barking at the garbage truck or the landscapers, if you have some consistency of what triggers your dog, then be prepared in those moments that as soon as that trigger happens, throw a bunch of treats on the ground. And you start associating that activity with something positive. Now, I'm going to give you an example. I did this when I had my facility. So I took both of my Rottweilers to my facility, and I had um, I had a, I had a good-sized facility. I had a, a storefront, um, which is basically a brick-and-mortar store. I also had daycare attached to it, and it was all very fluid. Mm-hmm. Didn't have to go into separate places. But UPS would deliver almost daily. And thank God we still, we had the same UPS lady that we had at our house, which was just a mile up the street. (laughs) So she knew the dogs, but she still didn't want to be bombarded by two Rottweilers standing at the door Mm -hmm. when she pulled up. So she would pull up, honk her horn as she pulled up. That allowed me to know she's there. So I would call my Rottweilers to me and give them treats. Mm -hmm. And even if they were already barking, I would still call them to me. They had really good recalls. I would call them to me and they'd get treats. And so one day, and so what, basically what I was doing was saying UPS truck equals treats. Come to me when the UPS truck is there, right? So it just allowed her to get into the door. Even though she knew she was sweet. She was only like five foot four. Sweetest little lady. But she, you don't want to be bombarded by two Roddies. And I remember one day I was sitting there and I was working and we had a new UPS driver a UPS driver or maybe just a different one. Nobody honked. And I'm sitting there and all of a sudden I have two Rottweilers staring at me like creepsters. Mm -hmm. And I looked, I'm like, what is wrong with you? (laughs) And before I could even finish my sentence, the door opened and I heard UPS. And so they learned that UPS truck was going to trigger me to say that. Yeah. So they went ahead and did it. Yeah. So if you have the garbage truck and you know the garbage truck is coming, don't worry about rewarding your dog for barking. All you're doing is associating that activity 
with a buffet. Mm-hmm. And so I did this with a client yesterday with that 200-pound Great Dane. When you get excited. Is it really 200 pounds? I'm pretty sure he's close to 200 pounds. I, I mean, may I be saw a, video. I may be a little a big, off on that, but he a is a boy. massive dog. He's a big boy. And he's super sweet, but he is very intimidating because he's very barky and he'll jump. But when he jumps, he doesn't put his paws on you as much as he chest bumps you. But his chest is the size of, I mean, I mean, he's he's bigger than a mastiff. I mean, he really is. He's huge. Mm-hmm. So I worked on, um, of course, I was able to ignore him, turn my back, get up against the wall, do those things, and I and he was mouthy at the same time. And I do have I do have a couple of bruises. I don't expect people to do that. I can do it because I'm I'm used to it, and I actually really enjoy client uh my clients seeing the process but seeing how it can work yeah but i also don't expect them to sit there and get mauled by their 200 pound great dane even if it's in a lovey way i was gonna say mauled might not be the right mauled's word. not the right way but you know what i mean so what i started doing was was jumping up and down excitement i just start with a simple wee and jumped and as soon as i did it i threw treats on the floor and so I taught her to say, you know, when you're getting, just get excited and toss treats. So he starts to associate that excitement with, tr- with a buffet open or treats raining from the sky because they're big football fans. So they're screaming during games and all that. And he would get really worked up and go and try to chest bump daddy, which is. <laughs> well, I mean, it's a football game. Duh. It's a football game, <laughs> but not appropriate. So it's just about, I wasn't, you know, and of course I'm trying to capture it right before he starts the chest bumping. Mm-hmm. And, um, and we were very successful with it yesterday. I mean, he, God bless him. He had little pustules on his chin and his mouth that were bleeding. So when he would jump and mouth me, he, he got blood all over me. I looked like I had been in like a good brawl, a bar brawl. Bless him. Bless. Yeah, because I was like, where does this blood come from? But yeah, bless his little heart. He's such a sweet little boy, though. I say little. He ain't little. But that's a really good way to handle with that barking. And of course, with your consistency, I mean, we all struggle with that. And it's a matter of setting yourself up for success to be consistent. If you can, don't wait for the moment to practice what you want. Yeah. You have to set it up to practice it. Because the only thing that's going to happen in the moment is what you practice. And if you do that, it'll become so second nature, your consistency will increase because you're not having to think about it. Yeah. And this, this also, when you first read that, made me think of um, the podcast Kim Brophy did with Michael Shikashio, the mm-hmm. first one you ever had me listen to, I think like last summer or two summers ago. Um, I mean, we've posted it somewhere. I know, somewhere it's been I, out there. I really think it needs to be reposted because she sort of goes over the same thing of yeah well they're gonna bark you know i mean it's that's it's who they are breed it's what they do it's the genetics we we <laughs> not only that them but to do that they're dogs and dogs bark for yep. the most part yep. um so i think that that's also a really good resource um as as your therapist i'm gonna give you a resource very good um and i would recommend that podcast as yes. well um because she does go into that of making everyday things sort of a job. Yeah. You know, when you see neighbor Bob walk by, like, make that a job. Yeah. Like, there's Bob. Like, whatever. Uh, so, 
Yeah, and if you have we a chance, yeah, that uh, one too. look up Kim Brophy because she has a great book, uh, Meet Your Dog, that talks about the different breed groups, the genetics of it. But also, I think, um, and I, it's she put together the legs program for pet owners. Uh, the dogdoor.com, I believe, is her website. Yeah. So we Dog put that door. link. Yeah. yeah. It, it, she's out of Asheville, North Carolina. She's just phenomenal. And we did have her on our episode. We had her talk mm-hmm. with us, and I would love to have her back. So uh, that'll give you a little idea of understanding your dog's genetic needs and, and well, sort why of, they do what they do. Yeah, and sort of how you can replicate those things. Yes. I mean, obviously, your German Shepherd's not out in the field working. Or oh, my favorite people getting great Pyrenees is pets, and then great because they're putting them inside. They're barking um, out in the yard because they live in a neighborhood full of kids. Right. And she goes into that one too yes. in that podcast. Yes. Um. So you can replicate that. It's like oh, yeah, I, I will put it, it on cue of like with a with a Pyrenees. I'll open the door and like I will teach them to go and um search the yard right mm-hmm. or do a perimeter check and you can put it on command and walk your dog say yep. let's go do a perimeter check and walk your dog around the perimeter check and you do that so much you can just start sending your dog go do the perimeter check and so you're giving them that job to go do a perimeter check yep oh i do it with isabella you know she doesn't herd in a traditional way of, like things that we hear where the dog's nipping the backs of feet or legs or is trying to hurt the children. Yeah, because I mean, we had kids on Saturday yeah, that she, she did not, and they were running like crazy. She's not your traditional herder in that way, even though her DNA test came back and she is a herding dog mm-hmm. all the way. Um, but there are certain things that she'll get fixated on in a herding type way. Squirrels. That armadillo that in the lives back. behind our house somewhere. God bless him. He's he's Sorry, not real bright. I dropped, I dropped my pen, and it's really important to have it. Lord, here we go. Okay. So, I mean, you could have just gotten out of the chair at that point. No. But so we we played this game uh, at my mom's where I told her, uh, you know, I'll, I'll tell her to go herd herd the frogs. My mom has a pond, and and what she'll do, she just runs around the pond. She doesn't hurt any of them, trust me. And she makes all the frogs that are sitting on the bank jump into the pond. And then she comes back. And she's so proud. She's so proud of herself because she made them all jump in the pond. And it's little things like that. And then she gets to come back. She gets a treat. She did a great job. Yep. It's in that. And again, it's just the little things that you can do to help satisfy some of those needs instead of thinking about how can I stop my dog doing this? It's a genetic need. Right, you, it's like it's like if somebody looked at me and said, "How do we stop Nikki from do- doing dog training?" I don't know where this came from, but it is an innate ability. And, and I mean, obviously, I've learned, and I've, but there was a deep desire somewhere in here. I mean, otherwise, I wouldn't been doing it for this long. Right. If somebody made me stop doing that to make their life easier, how fair is that? No, no. That really sucks. You give me that outlet. And and think about that. If you had something you love to do and somebody was trying to punish you for doing it and to stop it, what kind of relationship would you have with that person? Mm-hmm. That's how your dog is feeling. They just can't tell you that. And I hope that right there shifts all your thinking. That that right there. That example right there. All right. Give Word. us the next one. Word. 
All righty. Oh, gosh. Well, oh, my God. She can't read. I, oh, she dropped her I pen. Can't. Now she can't read. I can't. Oh, gosh. Well, just that these two. Um, I mean, I have a bunch over here. Two sort of. If you want yeah, me to I do. don't have very many, but. Um, oh, well, we'll just stick with the genetic thing then. Um, so someone asked, why don't you understand that I hear and smell things that you don't? And it's my genetics that make me do it. Yes, absolutely. And I, and I think I'm not going to blame the person for that because I think that the public, the information that's been put out there the last few years, actually the last couple of decades of dogs is, is we went through this thing of, there was a, there was a point in time that a dog was just a dog. Um, I grew up with outside dogs and it was nothing for me to wake up at two o'clock in the morning and scream out my window for my dogs to shut up because they were barking at something, mm-hmm. right? Because that's what you do. There was a point in time where we went from dogs being able to be dogs and, and use those genetics to a point to where we're now saying, nope, all dogs should live in the house. All dogs should be treated like royalty. All dogs should sleep in the bed. All dogs should have everything handed to them. All dogs should do all this. And when we did that, I'm not saying that a lot of that's wrong. I mean, we all do spoil and love our dogs. But I think we also said then, that means that because you're living in the house with me, all that stuff that you naturally did out there is not acceptable anymore. Because it's inconvenient to me. All your instinctual. All your instinctual. And so now, thank God, we are going back to understanding that, yeah, we may have changed where they sleep, um, what their daily life is like, but you're not going to change those genetics. Mm -hmm. And there's a reason why we breed dogs for what we do. I mean, there's a reason why German Shepherds are bred the way they are, and Malinois, and Rottweilers, and Dobermans, and, you know, Great Pyrenees, and herding dogs. There's a reason why we, we bred them the way we did, because they needed to serve a purpose and a job. And so I know you get these dogs like a Border Collie that are just so pretty, and Australian Shepherds, many Australian Shepherds, oh my God, they're so cute, right? They're still freaking herding dogs. Mm-hmm. And we can't take that away from them just because they're cute and little and they're not fitting our lifestyle. So your job is to make sure that you, and I think this is another reason why DNA tests are so important. Go to Embark, get a DNA test for your dog so that you truly understand what your dog is so that you can start to meet those genetic needs. I think that's a great way to really truly get to know your dog since your dog can't sit across from you and say, here are all my likes, here are all my dislikes, here are all my desires, here are all my fears. Mm -hmm. And so if you do that, you can get a true understanding of who your dog is genetically to put together with what you've learned of their personality. Two different things. Personality, genetics, two different things, right? Genetics is going to play a part of the personality, but we need to understand both of them. Well, and, and something to keep in mind too is just because a dog is genetically predisposed to something doesn't mean you're going to see those behaviors Correct. either. Um, so don't anticipate them. Correct. I mean, you know, if you see them, you're like, okay, well, I can, I can attribute that to the, I mean, ultimately at the end of the day, it's a dog. Absolutely. They're, they're dogs. And they, they have their own brain. I, I mean, they're, they're all dogs. Yeah. And there are some similarities, obviously, between, you know, different breeds and that, and that sort of thing. Yes, genetics are super important, though. Um. But that doesn't mean that your dog's necessarily going to be that or do that. Right. So, right. Like, so like with Isabella, being that she is a Border Collie, majority Border Collie, and a herding breed, 
you would think we might see nipping of the hills, right? Because of herder, but she hasn't done that. Mm-mm. Great. When people have a herding dog with kids and they start nipping the hills, the the owner's job is not to get pissed off and upset and shocked by that. Yeah. Right. But it, it's, you really do need to understand the genetics. And it's like, we were talking to our friend the other day who she doesn't have a dog and she said, you know, I fell in love with this picture of this dog. This is what it was. And, and I was like, well, what are you thinking? She's like, well, I'm not, obviously I'm not ready, but I'm sure one day I will be. And I said, all right, when you do, let's talk about breeds and genetics so that you don't just go by the looks. You can truly say, okay, this is what I'm looking for. And that's what I'm going to try to find. Yeah. Right. So I mean, that's what these, this breed matches this. Right. Right. Like, and it, and if it you're it a homebody, a lot of problems. Yeah. Like if you're a homebody, you know, like want to chill dog, like you probably shouldn't get a Vishla. No. Or Rhodesian. Right. Or Border Collie. Or an Australian Shepherd. Or, or maybe a dog. I don't know. But maybe like, a dog at all. Maybe a cat. <laughs> maybe you go for a cat. <laughs> Actually, get is- you a Chow Chow. Chow Chows um, are one owner dogs. They're pretty aloof to everybody. They don't give a shit. So if you do want to take them in public, they're like, whatever. I don't care what's around me. They're cool. Yeah. Whatever. Of course, I'm like, get a Rottweiler. Nobody will fuck with you with that Rottweiler. And they're amazing dogs. They're yeah. not as much homebodies, though. I mean, they definitely You're need some. pretty partial. I love them. And I, I will tell you, y'all, I love Mr. Myers. I do. <sighs> I miss my Rotties. I miss my Rottweiler. Well, because you knew what to expect. Yeah, you, Myers you knew, is, I don't know what the hell You knew what to expect. expect, you know. I mean, even Dan had her quirks, but at the end of the day, you're like, yeah, she's definitely a Rottie. Totally Rottie. I mean. <laughs> totally Rottie. And I was telling my client who has a Rottie, I was like, you know, they want this dog to be more of a protector. And, of course, right now he's a one-year-old goofball who loves everybody. And he's the new version of Rottie with a tail. Mm-hmm. And so you can't hide the nub that's nubbing 100 miles an hour. <laughs> you can't say no, my dog. You can't say excited. no, my dog is is <laughs> he's very scary because you're going to see that tail wagon. <laughs> but, but kudos, kudos to whomever that was that for keeping the, yeah, tail. Keep the tail. I, I would say I, I like the tail being docked, but I'm just going to leave that one alone. Um, that's just because you're used to. I it. I am used to that it. Doesn't but mean it's the right thing to do. It is the right thing to do, just to keep the tail on. But you know, and I told him, I said, naturally, his not genetics, hating on anyone who has a nubby, no, God, no, uh-uh. a nubby dog. Just, no, I've had nubbies the whole time. Um, matter of fact, this is the first dog I've had with the tail in a really long time, minus like Isabella. But I'm talking about my dog. Yeah. But with that, I told him, I said, you you, you don't need to train this dog to be protective. Genetically your dog will automatically become that. The most important thing is that you can control that and that you understand that the dog is, you know, not necessarily going to do serious harm to someone, but can do what it needs to do. Mm-hmm. And, and so that is a big thing that people get a lot of these protecting dogs and think they have to immediately start teaching them how to be protective. No, they're genetically bred for that. Yeah. So you just got to have some control. I mean, he's only a year. So it's, you know. Well, and, be, and people, when they call me, they ask me about this a lot. You know, they get a Doberman or, you know, Roddy or a German Shepherd, you know, something like that. And they want to know, hey, can you, can you train my dog to, you know, protect my family if I'm not home or if 
so-and-so's out on a walk or something like that. And I'm like, that it's not something you train. I mean, if you're doing police work with your dog or military work. Or Schutzen, which is just a right. sport. Right. So, I mean, it's just a sport. But Schutzen's I think that's just what, a sport. But I think that's what people see and they think, oh, that that's protection training. Protection training is actually having a bond with your dog to the point where they know those minute changes in your body language or your chemistry where they say, oh, something's up. They're going to smell those pheromones it's, that come out of that yeah, fear that you have. It's ultimately, it, it ultimately boils down to having a bond. It's yep. n- that's not even about training. That's nope. just making sure that you have a good relationship. Your dog trusts you. Your dog knows you. And you know your dog. Bingo. It's about bond. And, and people ask if you're a trainer. You, you have learned so much in these past 10 years with me. I couldn't have said that any better. That was, I mean, it's true. You do. It, you really just have to have Does that, that bond. Mean you're going to go get me a glass of wine. I was hoping you would go get a glass of wine. <laughs> but I guess I. I but thanks, I, thanks for that compliment, though. You are so very welcome. <laughs> All right. Now, after we refilled our wine glasses and had a bathroom break, <laughs> we are back. All right. So our next question. Uh, not question, but our next therapy. Yeah. <laughs> is, um, and I want to go ahead and reach on this one. Because I don't think I have to talk very much about this one. Um, Steve, our buddy Steve. Hey, Steve. Hey, Steve. Wrote in and said Pearl would like for him to not be so damn anxious and build some damn confidence. (laughs) Well, Pearl and Isabella have obviously been talking on the phone. Have they? Apparently. Sweet. Well, let me tell you. So, Steve sent me a, a text. Or no, he sent us an email the other day that he was so nervous about Pearl and that he was thinking about this whole confidence thing and that he, I think there's a part of him and I'm not, this is not. It was related to trust, right? It was really related to trust. Trusting your dog. Trusting your dog and being confident right in that. And so he made the decision. He didn't trust Pearl with other dogs because she's been a little snappy with people. So he was just kind of not sure. And and we have done a, a, a training session at the dog park. Um, but there was only like one other dog there. So I could see him Pearl. I thought Pearl's pretty good with things, but he just wasn't sure. So he did a really good job at he asked his neighbors if he could bring Pearl over, let her sniff in their backyard, and then bring their dog out to see what would happen. Mm-hmm. And he sent us video. And he said after a little bit of raised hackles and a little bit of stiffness, they played like crazy. And I think Pearl really appreciated the fact that he let go of his uncertainty mm-hmm. and let her show him what she's capable of. Yeah. And I think that we don't do that enough. I think that is a big lesson that we can all learn that just because you're afraid doesn't mean you should project that on others. Um, And for some reason, this is what popped in my head because it's October. People, like parents that are afraid of haunted houses, not letting their kids go. And I don't think that's fair because I think you need to kind of learn yourself what you like and dislike. And, you know, like for my parents, they're not fans of haunted houses. They didn't really want to go, but they knew I loved them. And so they would take me. And so I think that... They had to get past their uncomfortableness and their uncertainty to 
help develop my self as a human being. And I think we need to do that with dogs. But at the same time, I think it's important that people learn how dogs communicate and interact so they understand what they're seeing. I was going to say, because I'm I'm about to counter some things. Oh, I think that's great. Go ahead. Yeah. You just said, Um, obviously, if you know your dog has a history of not being okay with other dogs... Maybe let's start with some training. Oh, well, yeah. Or some muzzle work. Yeah, I, no, no, no. I, yeah, you're right. See, this is how Britt keeps me on track, right? Or because I'm assuming that I'm, you understand what I'm if saying. If your is dog that. is, or if you're, if you're a little human, if your <laughs> child is six years old, maybe don't throw them into a, you know, Marilyn Manson inspired haunted house. Yeah, right. It's got to be, the, the context needs to be appropriate. I, I'm giving my, I guess I'm just giving my readers a little bit more credit that y'all your readers, a little bit, my, readers? My, my, my readers, my <laughs> listeners, like common sense, right? Well, I mean, it, but when they, yes, not, when I, I, I think just, what I mean is when they've not given you a reason to be fearful of that, right? I, no, you I have to give them a shot. I get that. I, I just, I can see some instances in my life where I've been thrown into situations as a child by my parents, not in a, um, not, not in a, like, not in a, oh God, what's the word? I'm abusive way. Uh, not an abusive way. <laughs> Main way. <laughs> not quite abusive. That's not quite what I was looking for. Um, but in a way of like, let's, let's like, you got to learn how to do this. You got to grow up sort of thing that were very scary to me. Uh, and so, I mean, I, Pearl, yes, great example. Because I see what you're saying. Pearl is Steve recognized his own anxiety, right? I, it wasn't I, necessarily Pearl. Yeah, I get that because I need to do the same thing. Yes, but I also recognize there are steps I need to take with Isabella that are separate. Yes, totally different from Pearl. Yes. Um, but also don't say I haven't let my dog socialize with other dogs because I'm nervous and then just go throw them in a dog park. No, I, you want to make like sure he that did it the right way. He did it the right way. That's what I'm saying is he did it the right way. Don't you want to take in consideration your dog's developmental stage, your dog's, um, which is going to include the age, your dog's size, your dog's play preferences, maybe even your dog's um, buddy preference, right? Do they mm-hmm. like females? Like, do they like males? Do they prefer smaller dogs, medium-sized dogs, same-sized dogs, whatever, right? You do have to to take a lot of things in consideration. I think for me, the blanket statement is don't prevent your dog from doing something because of your fear. Do what you yeah. have to do yeah. to get comfortable enough to give them that opportunity. Right. For sure. No, right? I, I agree with that. Because I've had a lot of clients who like, my dog's never socialized and the dog's like, 11 months old and has never played with other dogs because of their fear. Well, they stunted their dog's development. And they have no idea if their dog can. Absolutely. They have no clue. Other dog. Right. Right. So that's not no, healthy. I get that. Yeah. That's not healthy. And that's the thing is you can't prevent someone's development because of your fear. Yeah. I mean, it's like someone who keeps their kid inside and yes. doesn't, doesn't let them play outside, doesn't let them have friends. You don't, want to scare, you don't want them to scratch a knee or get a cold or. Exactly. Well, you're not teaching them any type of resilience you're not teaching them any type of social skills mm-hmm. and you can't do that because it's your fear right you have to do what you have to do for yourself in order to help your dog be the best version of themselves so i'm, I'm proud for of sure. you steve 
You've done well, man. <laughs> I did. saw the video. It was beautiful. The video was great. Maybe we should post that. Steve, let me know if we can post that. See, yeah, text her right now. Don't text me. <laughs> sure, text me right now. As you're listening. <laughs> As you're listening. Because I'm like, no, I'm in the middle of I'm in the middle of recording. Don't text me right now. And then I'm like, oh, duh. He's not going to listen to this while I'm recording. <laughs> all right. So now Isabella is all about barking at something outside because, you know, whatever. Um, okay. So do you have any others over there? Because I still have a few. Um, I do. I do. Um, all right. This one's great. <laughs> this one's sort of a gut punch. Uh, why do I get affection when I don't want it? I want to be left alone and not be hugged, kissed, or snuggled unless I ask for it. That's... And there is there is a little thing at the end of this as well. So um, it also says it's increased since I've been in pain from hip dysplasia. So those are, sort, those are two different things. To yes, some extent. To, to some extent, yes. So we can address that in two different ways. So, well, actually, no, you're right. Uh, yeah, we can kind of we can kind of go the same. But here's the thing: is that people tend to be more respectful of a dog's space, personal space, when they're in pain, than when they're not. But also, we have to understand that dogs that are in pain, oftentimes, you're not going to see it until it gets so bad um, that it's really messing with their daily life. Mm-hmm. It is. We've had this conversation about consent. Mm-hmm. and about loving and we've had a podcast episode on it on making sure that your dog is in the place of accepting what you're asking sometimes that can be as simple as petting a little bit for maybe two to three seconds and then stopping and seeing how your dog responds petting your dog in different parts of the body good example today is i went to pet myers on the head and on the side of the face that i normally do mm-hmm. um he shied away yeah I didn't immediately be like, oh my God, who hit you in the head? No, I just like, okay, he's having a moment. He doesn't like that today, whatever the reason might be. So I want to respect that. Um, for as, as, as humans, a lot of times we get dogs because we want to feel that unconditional love and we want to be able to feel that physical touch whenever we want it. Mm-hmm. Problem with that is that it's not always consensual. And I think we have to learn to read our dog's body language to see that. And so many times when you're petting on your dog, and this is this is something that I'm that I've hear I've heard before. I was petting him on his backside. I've, I've petted him on his butt for years, never a problem. And then this one time, he snapped at me. Mm-hmm. Well, it could be that he spent a lot of that time trying to ignore you while you were petting him, instead of leaning into you, licking your hand, nudging your hand, really being engaged with you. Right? Maybe he just laid there and ignored you. With his head, he kept his head down. He never even acknowledged your presence. That doesn't mean he was comfortable with the petting. Right. Quick licks. Quick licks, yawning, but ignoring. Ignoring. <laughs> you know when a dog wants to be petted, right? That There's an engagement yeah. that happens. And sometimes it's small, sometimes it's big. If your dog doesn't engage with you, in other words, acknowledge your presence when you're petting on them, or they didn't come and initially put their head in your lap to do that, they may not be in the mood. And so you've got to learn to read your dog's body language, read body language in general, calming signals. So go through, go get the communication seminar mm-hmm. on our website. Um, if you're local, we'll be having some new ones in February. They're on the website. They're on the website now. But it's we have to learn about our dog and what they like and what they don't like. And 
if you do have a dog that's in pain or is not wanting to be petted in a certain area that they've liked in the past over a period of days, you may want to make sure you take them to the vet and get a good check. Mm-hmm. And and you need to go to someone who really understands pain that's not necessarily being seen clinically, right? So they have to kind of go a little bit deeper. Mm-hmm. You're not getting those outward symptoms. Uh, but yeah, you kind of want to be respectful of your dog. Um, I will say that I've, I would say the majority of the dogs would have that complaint of I'm resting, I'm, I'm, I'm just tired, and then we just want to pet and love on them. And I get it. Like I understand. You're so cute while you're sleeping. I understand, but I think we need to start treating dogs, as far as petting is concerned, more like cats. Nobody just pets a cat whenever the fuck they want. The cat will tell you very quickly whether it's appropriate and where you're petting if it's appropriate or not. What if we treated it like petting a human? Well, that would be <laughs> saying, that'd be looking at your dog going, may I pet your head? And then expect the dog to say yes or no, but but, but if we look at it as clear more of, signals, though, why why are we so respectful of cats though and not respectful of dogs? Because cats lash out. Dogs are much more patient. Because so we're more assholes have, with them. Cats have finger, finger knives. knives. They're like Freddy Kruegers. Look, I know where my cats like to be petted. I know when they like to be petted, and I know when to leave them alone. Even if like Gemma's up in my lap, I can tell if she's in the mood or not for a certain type of petting. You oh, yeah, I don't pet her if she's in my lap. No, she likes it sometimes. No, I just don't. You just don't? You just don't even want her in your lap. Let's admit it. Fing- admit it to all the listeners. Finger knives. I'm the cat person in this relationship. So, For sure. It, you know, it sort of makes me think of Dayan. Double like, D. We miss her. It's been a year this month. I'm not going to cry. Um, You know, she she was not stoked about humans in general just existing well, not like they were getting in her space she was fine if you'd leave her alone she could yeah. walk in a crowd of 30 people if you'd leave her alone if you didn't pet her but our thing was and and people you could see people get so excited if she gave you her butt yep. if she backed up to you that meant pet my butt yep and then if she turned back around and was like why did you stop well that's it you're in the circle now yeah and it reminded me of a story I read of this this mom who did not make her kids hug people, uh, even if it was a family member. Didn't even, like, told, told them, you do not have to hug anyone if you don't want to. Because we're sort of a huggy culture, especially here in the South. We just hug people. Yep. Um, these kids didn't even have to hug their parents if they didn't want to. Parents would ask, can I hug you? And they... They say, no, all right, cool, I'm not going to hug you. But they said when their kids did hug them, they knew that they wanted to, and it made it more important, and it made it more meaningful. So it was like with Double D, everyone got so, like our friends and family would get so excited whenever they were like, oh my God. I got the butt. <laughs> she let me pet her. Like, I'm, she's okay with me. Yeah. That was her way of saying. And really, it's that she trusted you. Yeah. And. And not all dogs are that, it's not that black and white. Right. You know, I mean, I was petting Myers one day while he was asleep and you're like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm petting his sweet little face. And you're like, what makes you think that's what he wants? And I was like, well, Jesus Christ. Yep. 
I'm just going to go play in traffic. Like, yeah. seriously, it's, like, it's, I felt horrible. I was like, I never even thought about it that way until you said that. I was like, God. Well, it's funny because I didn't think that way about our niece, raising our niece until you brought that up of saying she doesn't have to hug because as a family, we would hug huggers. and yeah. we yeah. would walk away. And now there are times where my blood niece leaves my presence and I don't get a hug. Mm-hmm. It's hard. It is hard. But I also respect that of her. Yeah. And of course, we love our Amanda, who's not a hugger. So when I get a hug from Amanda, I'm like, yeah, I got a hug. <laughs> Poor Amanda. I'm like, I'll just, can I side hug you? Well, who was it that, who was, it that was here the other day that was like, I'm a hugger. I'm like, you can hug anybody here except that one. Oh, I didn't hear this. Don't hug Dorothy. <laughs> I think it was the Holly Bar. I'm like, don't hug Dorothy. Can't hug Dorothy. It was Chandler. I think oh, Chandler, Chandler. Chandler's the hugger. She's just hugging everybody. And I'm like, you can hug everybody, but, but Dorothy. Yeah. Don't hug Dorothy. Um, but sometimes I even just, I just get a side hug and I'll take it, Amanda. I know you're listening. I'll take your side hugs. I don't need them every time. We know you're walking Clark right now, listening. You're walking Clark. <laughs> so there you go. All right. That was a good one All right, because I think that one is important. And go back and listen to our con, you know, consent episode that we have there because that is a good one. It is. And, and it's a problem. Yeah. But it is hard. I know. When I can't tell you how many clients I've had tell me, well, I think I should be able to pet my dog anytime I want. Why? I, okay, I'm not gonna lie. I, I used to believe that too. I mean, I'm I did. I used to think I could do anything to my dog I wanted, but not necessarily pet. And now, even doing anything I want, like trimming nails, cleaning the ears, cleaning the eyes, I am still. I'm now starting to ask if it's okay and this, if this is a good time. Mm-hmm. Every day when I clean Myers' eyes in the mornings, I'll look at him and say, "Can I clean your eyes?" And he'll either move his head away or he'll keep his head very still. And I'll clean his eyes and we move on. Mm-hmm. If he moves his head away, okay, I'll get it later. Yeah. It's little things like that that builds that trust. Not teaching your dog to listen to every freaking word you say and every command. It's that mm-hmm. trust, that relationship. And the relationship I have with him is different than my Roddy's. Yeah. The feel is different. Yeah. So, yeah, it is really it's something. All right. Meanwhile, I got this dog over here with her, like, keeps putting her nose under my hand. I know. She's like, I want to be petted. I'm giving you consent. But you know. me. And also, it's not raining. Can I go outside? No. It's muddy, and there's an armadillo out there. And I know what you're going to go do. She, you know, she's sleeping in the bed, and I kind of, like, reach over to pet her at night. You know, she'll let me know. She will either roll over on her back. To, so I can pet her stomach. Okay. Or she will curl up even tighter into a ball, like a little roly pole, like an armadillo. She, you leave her alone. she pulls an armadillo. Yeah. Meaning, like, don't, don't touch me. I'm sleeping. I, I don't want this right now. You touch me in the bed. I back up. I, like, <laughs> like you touch my back. If I'm turned away from you, you touch my back. I'm like beep. Beep, beep, beep. I'm but backing up love, into it. But that's your love language. Touch is I my think love we language. have we assume that dogs' love language is touch. And it's not. Definitely not. And especially if they are in pain. It's definitely not. And touch can feel differently to dogs based on the social context. Mm. Oh yeah, okay. So that's gonna be a whole nother That's a that's a whole podcast, isn't it? it? <laughs> probably it feels like a whole podcast. Probably so, yes. But that's what I'm saying is that it, it's not going to mean the same 
in every scenario. Just like your dog's favorite treat is not going to be their favorite treat in a group class compared to your favorite treat in the home with no other distractions. You remember that time I showed up to class with chicken nuggies? And you're like, what the hell? You're like cheating. I was like, do you think my dog is going to take these regular basic ass treats in this class? I don't know if I talked about you cheating to her with chicken nuggets. I think I was more appalled that you went through that specific place and knowing you got shit for yourself. I got French fries. That's what I'll say. But, but I was like, my dog does not enjoy class. Uh, yeah, and we stopped and she stopped coming. And I'm going to yeah. get, this was before I knew, you know, yeah. maybe don't take her. Duh. Yeah, but we just stopped taking her. I was like, I'm going to get her some chicky nuggies. You know what's funny about chicken nuggets? She doesn't like them anymore. That a girl. After class. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. That's a different podcast, too. Oh, my God. That's good. But no, it just occurred to me. You need to write that one down. It just occurred to me. She doesn't. She won't eat them anymore. Yeah. And trust me, it's not because they're disgusting. They are disgusting. Because they're amazing. All right. Anya. How you doing, Anya? We <gasps> miss you. Wait, Anya asked a question? Anya asked. Uh, she didn't ask a question. I mean, she just said what the dogs would say about her. <gasps> Uh, so I feel like all dogs would say, Anya's amazing. Please let me live here. Yeah. Oh, probably. <laughs> However, she said that her problem is, and what the dogs would complain, because I don't, she doesn't have a dog herself, but she goes and walks dogs and, and, you know, She's spends a, a lot of time yeah. volunteering her She's time with dogs. Anya said that they would say consistency in leash walking and giving mixed signals. And this is such a common problem across the board where one day... You're walking your dog and you have all the time in the world and you let your dog stop and sniff at every mailbox, every rock, every spot. And it's great. The next day you don't have a lot of time. And so you get mad at them for stopping at that same mailbox, that same rock, that same spot. And this is why it's so important. When I tell people about giving your dog commands, cues, things of that nature, To me, it's more important to have those for outside the home than inside the home. Inside the home is such a normal, you have such a kind of a set routine that the dog is going to know what to do without having to be told. But out in the world, there are so many variables that you've got to be able to communicate there. And that is the most important time is when you've got your dog out for walks, communicating when it's okay to stop and sniff, when it's okay to go ahead or go behind or you've got to have these words that are set up. Now, the problem is if you're a volunteer walking dogs from a shelter, a rescue organization, anything like that, these dogs are not going to pick up the words as easily because they have a bunch of other walkers. Um, Obviously, I would say go to the um, organizer of this organization and say, can we please do a leash walking exercise? Um, or a seminar to help everybody be on the same page to use the right words because it's only fair for the dogs to have consistency on that because there's so much inconsistency in a walk, even if you're walking the same path every day. There's still inconsistencies. We have to have that one thing that the dogs can count on, which is communication on how do I want you to walk today, when it's okay to stop and sniff, when you're in charge of the walk, when I'm in charge of the walk, that isn't, it's crucial for the welfare of a dog, mm-hmm. not just for the easier walk for the human, but for the dog. And I can't tell you how many times I've seen people just not talk to their dog at all on a walk. Yeah. I see them on the phone. I see them just 
listen to whatever they're listening to. Like, I don't want y'all listening to me, this podcast, when you're walking your dog. Please be engaged with your dog. Be there for your dog. Be your dog's tour guide. And communicate. Your dog cannot read your mind on what kind of day you had at work. To where today is the day he gets to sniff everything. Tomorrow's the day he's going to get in trouble for trying to sniff one damn thing. Mm-hmm. I, I was, And I've seen it to where I've watched people stop at like a stop sign with their dog. And then I've literally watched them start to walk again without telling their dog they were walking. Yeah. They just started moving. The dog is like, oh shit, didn't know we were going. I was looking over there at that bird in that tree. Just talk to your fucking dogs, y'all. That's probably one of my most irritating mm-hmm. things is that that is when your dog needs you the most. It's when you're outside this home. Yeah, I mean, there's just so many, so many things. And I mean, it's a little scary too. Yeah. You know, they need direction. Absolutely. Not that they're robots. That's, no. That's not what we're saying. But it's like. They need guidance. You know, your kid, like hold my hand. Right. We're walking across the street. Here's what we're doing. Yep. You got to wait for the cars. Wait gotta, for the cars. Look both you ways. Gotta look both Hold ways. my hand. Here we go. Yep. You don't just start walking expecting your, your child <laughs> to follow you. I'm pretty sure my mom did. <laughs> just pulled us. Get your ass over here. Let's go. In her defense, she had she had three little ones at the same okay, time. Okay, and one, y'all are only 14 months apart, you and your brother. And God, I at your age now, I still struggle being around you too. Can you imagine my for parents? For a lot of time. I'm like, God. Yeah, so Anya, you're not alone, and you have the skills to help these dogs. You just need to be focused when you do it, and know that when you're giving them guidance, you're doing more for them than just letting them outside of whatever box they've been in. Mm-hmm. All right, there you go. Well, it's funny because I have one over here. Okay. Am I am I allowed to say the name of the dog? Oh, I don't on know. This Let's one? say what's it say? Let Let's me see. Look, you my, will know. I get my glasses on because I I know this dog. Oh yeah yeah yeah. Okay okay yeah yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah, love them. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I'm telling you, this dog has gone above and beyond what you've seen. He's, Seriously? Oh my god. I mean, he's a goofball. I haven't I haven't seen him in forever. Okay, so we're talking about Banner, and Banner's fantastic. Hi, Banner. Hi. So it, this this really goes along with what uh, Anya said. It's like, I wish they would understand that I just want to chase the deer, school bus, and squirrels when I pull them. Like, that's all I'm doing. I just want to go see these things. And I pull and I pull, and all they say is this way and leave it. Yeah. Yeah. So, so with that, it is the same. It's, it's like, we have to learn to be proactive instead of reactive. Mm-hmm. So, it's like, if I know that my dog is going to pull at a school bus... One, the best way is to know, to to go ahead and set it up to where I know the school bus is coming and I'm going to be at a good distance so he doesn't feel like the need to chase it. And I'm going to just give him treats for just watching the school bus. And then I'll slowly Mm -hmm. decrease my distance to the school bus. Problem is so many times, and this is again, when you're walking, you're distracted. You're thinking about what do I need to do when I get back to the house? Shit, I should have done this before we left the house. What am I going to cook for dinner? Shit, I got I got to go to the grocery store. What are you like in my head or something? I know, right? Exactly. <laughs> get out. Right? <laughs> so when we do that on a walk, that's going to cause problems. This is why I say do not listen to my podcast on a walk with your dog. Period. Mm-hmm. You have I mean, to focus Amanda. on your dog. <laughs> I don't know. Amanda, do you listen to the podcast on a walk and stop it? She does. 
Well, she should have enough uh, innate ability and habit to be able to, to multitask. Clark, we'll say. Clark, Clark is, is, is awesome. Clark a, is a people. He's a people. But no, you really do have to be prepared. And you can't just wait for these things to happen to go, oh shit, how am I going to handle this? That's when, if you're having to say, leave it in this way, then you haven't thought about how to handle that. You're being reactive. You have to be proactive in those moments. And you really have to focus on what those triggers look like and set up a scenario. And sometimes that scenario may be, instead of a two-mile walk, it's we're just going to spend 15 minutes working on not chasing or pulling towards the school bus. But you're not saying to not use those cues, like no, no, this no. way and leave it. because no. I. Those are normal cues you'll use, use but if you're using them frequently, if you're using them though to combat negative behavior, then you're missing in that moment right before you're getting the negative behavior to give one praise of what you want or direction before it happens. Gotcha. That's the difference between being proactive and reactive. Okay. We want you to be proactive. I use those. No, there often. are moments, in, but yeah, you'll have to use leave it at sometimes, and of course, we use this way quite a bit. But it's when you use it that's the most important. It's not the words themselves or even the cues. It's when you're using it. Don't use it in a reactive mode. Use it in a proactive mode. Mm-hmm. Proactivity is the key. And the problem with humans, we are not proactive. We are reactive. So we have to train ourselves to be proactive. Yeah. Right. Makes sense. Yeah. So Banner, I expect you to be better. Next time I see you, <laughs> actually, I'm telling you, he was in this last set of group classes. He is so, he's full of himself. He is so precious. Oh my gosh. And they're doing a great job. They really are. I miss you guys already. It's only been what, two weeks, one week. <laughs> oh wait, they were in the last, they were in the last class again. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Because okay. he had had some medical, he had signed up for classes that's and right. he had some medical that's right. issues, that's right. but he was okay. all better and he was full of himself and he was just fabulous. That's fantastic. He really was. He was so damn cute. I love it. Um, so yeah, so that was good. So the, yeah, the leash stuff kind of goes hand in hand. Um, all right, let's see. We've talked a little bit about like, uh, here's one of understanding my need for squirrels. That again, it goes back to the genetic needs. A lot of these questions really go back to genetic needs. And I think that we have to do our due diligence of studying what our dog is. How many people do a lot of research before buying a house, before buying a car, even before going on vacation? You need to do the same type of research when you're looking at a dog. Not saying that you have to find a breed and go buy a purebred dog, but you need to know what traits fit into your lifestyle and what traits don't. Um, Meyer's barking does not fit into my lifestyle. I'm stuck with him. I have him. I will work on it. If I'd have known beforehand that he had as much terrier, so if I'd had a DNA beforehand with as much terrier as he had, I probably would not have adopted him. But look how cute he oh, is. Oh, he's adorable. <laughs> I, and I, look, guys. I'm, he's look, the cutest. I adore him. Don't get me wrong. I adore that damn dog. Love him. What I'm saying is, though, that in order to be successful for what you're looking for and for the dog to have the best life, we have to be on the same page. And that means I need to be able to accept what he is. And now I'm, I'm accepting he's a barker. That's what I have. I'm just saying if I'd had the opportunity to see that he had that much terrier, I probably would not have, do- have adopted him. But because now I do have it, I'm aware of it. Now my job is to accept it and try to find ways to help modify it and decrease it to fit better into the lifestyle. 
However, I'm not opposed to people who get a dog who absolutely does not fit their lifestyle and they rehome. I'm not against people rehoming. I think that's sometimes the best thing for the dog. That's a whole nother episode. Oh, I completely agree. I mean, there have been times people have called us or emailed us and, you know, I'll talk to them and sort of find out about their lifestyle. And then I find out what kind of dog they have. And, you know, in my head, I'm like, what the hell? Why do you have this dog? Yeah. No, I mean, but, uh, but society Kim, makes them feel so guilty for rehoming. No, no, no. I'm not. No. Right? And we don't want to do that. We want them to not feel guilty because it's about the welfare of the dog, not the way it looks on you. Right. And honestly, I'm not going to make somebody feel guilty for doing that if they are willing to give the dog what it needs. Yep. They're willing to do the work. I mean, it's work. It's a it relationship. Any relationship is work. Yes. I, I mean, the dog is not there to serve you. No. Sorry. Nope. You know, it makes me think Kim Brophy in that podcast was talking about someone who had a Malamute in Florida. Jesus. <laughs> Why like, in the hell? I mean, she she does not cuss the way we do. No, we're, but tra- I'm we're trashy as shit. I'm listening to this podcast. I'm outside in the middle of the summer in Nashville digging a garden, dying. <laughs> My dog is outside with me because she will be outside in any... She doesn't care what the weather is. She likes is. it cold better, but she'll take the heat too. This this ding-dong stands outside in a pouring rain. She totally asked to go outside when, this, to when the thunderstorms come. The she squirrel. goes outside. She just sits under a tree. Yep. While it's raining. Looking for a squirrel. Yep. She'll sit there for hours. Yeah. But yeah, Malamute in Florida... Also a different... But, but what I'm saying is if you're willing to... If, if you know that you're going to have to put the work in and you, you know what it's going to take, fine. But also, do not be, like, ashamed if you realize, like, this is not going to work out. Like, I don't have the capacity to give this dog what it needs. Which is why I didn't get a Rottweiler right because, now. Because, trust me, hearing stories about dogs who just stay outside all the time, which there are some dogs... Who probably should stay outside all the time. Absolutely. There are some, or, uh, hey, great Pyrenees would love to live outside. Yeah, my dog. Other than Sammy, who my, loves the bed. Now. Now. Uh, you know, I mean, so all that to say, you're right. There, There is a lot of shame around rehoming. And, and I get it. There are some shitty situations where people are just shitty. Like, shitty humans. Right. In general. Like, I don't want this dog because of something. Right. I'm moving and I can't take the dog with me. Which also, I don't know your situation in that point. But at I'm going to say the majority of the time, that's bullshit. But go ahead. Well. N- I say majority. I didn't say all. Not always. I, that's what I said. I didn't say all. I wouldn't say majority either. A lot. Sometimes. You know, this is y'all. Brick keeps me like on the. No, no. I'm, I'm, being, I'm being serious though. Sometimes it, it, it is not easy to find a dog friendly Oh no, I get cuz when I had a Rottweiler, it was very difficult to find places to rent with a Rottweiler. Exactly. Yeah. Like breed specific. Not yeah. not even just breed specific, but it's especially true here size in the, in the south. Specific. Yeah, you've specific. got size limits. You've got does your dog bark? Does it have AKC good citizenship? Well, I mean like all this crap and it's hard and for people who are leaving situations or they're starting their lives over, like sometimes No, I totally get that. I I get it, but there's, I, I see how shamed they are on yeah. like rescue pages and things like that. And that's not okay. Sometimes giving your dog up is, is the best thing for the dog. And, or you. It's life or death for you and the dog. Yeah. 
You know, so we're not going to hate on you. No, you absolutely call not. call us and you say, look. Nope. I'm, I don't think this is going to work out. No. Nope. Well, let's find out why. Um, do you know how many times I've told people this is not going to work out? You need to rehome your dog. I mean, do I get frustrated I've with someone? I've had to do it. Yeah. With my clients. I mean, because I, it's the best for the dog and it's best for the, it's best for the established pack. Yeah. For the uh, home. Yeah. Just for the, the home. And I'm great. I, I know that you love this dog, but you have to take in consideration all, all the ones that are in your, in your pack. And that's a hard decision for people, but there are times it's just appropriate. Yeah. And that's okay. Yeah. I, I mean, I do get frustrated when there are people who have the means to make it work. They just... They're because just like, it's too inconvenient for them. Because it's an inconvenience. Yeah. That's different than sure. some, someone saying, God, I really love this dog. I'm going to keep it. And you're like, mm, mm. there's no there's no way your yeah. lifestyle is going to be conducive to this. And I've never admitted this before, but I have rehomed dogs before. Me too. You know, when, uh, I got divorced yep. 11 years ago. And I gave up, I had to give up two of my dogs. I had no choice. Financially speaking, I could not take care of these dogs. And also, we were moving to a place where I could have one of them. And it was, I mean, that was, it is the hardest thing I've ever done in my entire life. And I still cry about it, and I still get upset about it. These babies are still with us. They're still alive. They are thriving where they are, which is something I could not have given them. They're they're both herding dogs. And we moved into a condo. Exactly. A two-bedroom condo. And one of them um, lives with a travel nurse, goes with her everywhere. And the other one lives on a farm. Where, In heaven. Exactly. <laughs> and it, it really was the best thing for them. I mean, they were destructive in my home because I wasn't giving them what they needed. It was a, it was just a bad situation for all three of us all the way around. Well, the emotional part of the home, too, because herding dogs are very in tune to the change in the environment. And that was freaking them out. Yep. Um, so all that to say... We understand it. Yeah, I've done so it. So we're not going to yeah. be judgmental about that. I've done it with a pit bull boxer. I think I've talked about Mufasa before. Yeah. He was such a love bug. Love that dog. No behavior problems whatsoever. He just wasn't as demanding of attention. And I realized that my dogs at the time, if they weren't demanding of attention, they didn't get a lot. Mm-hmm. And I felt like he deserved someone who could really give him that attention. And I found a great home for him. And he... I think he got a sausage and biscuit every day of his life. And he was, he was, he was. He, Meanwhile, he you're heaven. making fun of me for giving Isabella chicken nuggets. <laughs> I'm not making fun. So just to say that, you know, just understand your dog. And that dog, Meet Your Dog by Kim Brophy is available to everyone. Go buy it. Read it. It's fantastic. It will open your mind to not only the dog that you have now, but whatever dog you have in the future. Mm-hmm. And I and I think it really will help you have a better relationship with your dog. It, it has been, I mean, t- shit, 26 years of this shit. 
that book was heaven to me because it it just sort of blew your mind really it blew my mind because it was stuff i knew but it had never been presented in that way and in a way to say it's okay that your dog has this because i was brought up in the way of training where if your dog was chasing if your border collie was chasing after bikes you stopped that chasing of bikes mm-hmm. right you suppress that behavior basically yep and that's not right. Yes, we teach them that's not the appropriate time. Here's something else you can. Here's an outlet. Here's an outlet. So, yeah. All right. We have gone a long time in this episode. Oh, I can't. Shit. This is why Sorry, we guys. To, this is why we had to do part two. <laughs> this is longer than part one. Do you have any more on your side? Well, I have I, one more. No, I don't. Okay. I don't. I have one I more. I do, but one of mine, um, and I'm, I'm going to... Go ahead and, and she gave permission to say her name. I'm okay. going to say Carlin if you are listening, because um, she has two different um, sort of emails. Um, we're going to make that whole thing into a podcast. So just know. oh, is this the is this the pitbull puppy? Yeah, yeah. So we're gonna. Oh yeah. So we we did read your email, and number one, first off, you need to call me for a Zoom. You and your hus- husband both, but. There is a lot of to unpack in that one, in that counseling session. And I think that it would be good uh, to have a, yeah, you're right, an episode by itself for yeah, that. Yeah, this needs to be. So that was the only one I had left. So the only answer I have for you right now for that is call me for Zoom. <laughs> Let's at least get some things going to help things yeah. be a little bit more but smooth in the home. But her story is very common. and Very common. And, and but we need to sit down and yes. sort of make that into a Very, song. very calm. So we're not so ignoring you. Absolutely not. <laughs> we're not ignoring you. No. That was the only thing I had to say. We're no, not ignoring you're right. you. That one was so deep. And I felt it in my heart when I read the email. Yeah. yeah. Let's do a Zoom. Yeah. And I'm not saying that because I want your money. There's just, we need a Zoom for that one. Um, and then we can definitely talk about that on another episode. All right. So our last one comes from Gray, our other trainer, which I've heard on the podcast. But he said, my dogs would probably say, why do you act, why Why do you treat us so differently when people are over? And I'm going to say this from a couple of different views. As a dog trainer, when people come over and they say, oh, you're a dog trainer. Yes, you want to make your dogs be as perfect as they are. So therefore, you're harsher, uh, you're firmer, you're uh, kind of different yeah i mean you're just different because you're trying to make a point to the people that are there like self-conscious a little yes. bit too um once you get through that you'll be fine but it is so normal for people to act differently when they have people over because one they never taught the dogs how to act with company two they're too preoccupied with their company and so they're short with their dogs um, they don't set the expectations. Like it's like inviting friends over and then getting onto your kids for being assholes when you never taught your kids how to be around company. My suggestion, and I know this might be a little difficult, but it doesn't take much time. Invite people over and say, "Hey, look, the first fifteen minutes that you're here, I'm going to be working with my dogs on how to behave around you, mm-hmm. and then after that, I'm going to put them away with a nice stuffed topple, and then we can enjoy our night together." But I need to work on this. Again, it goes back to the, you cannot practice in the moment. The only thing that happens in the moment is what you practice, period. 
Invite friends over that can help you with that. There is nothing wrong with that. And I promise you that your friends that come over that may or may not be dog lovers like you will appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, for sure. Right? Or if you know you can't be consistent, put them away. It's, there's nothing wrong with that. We've had a lot of gatherings where our dogs are put away. Even though we're dog people and most of our friends are dog people, I know in certain situations I'm not going to be consistent. I'm not going to follow through. Yeah. So instead of making that worse for my dog, I just put them away. And it's also a safety thing, too. Yeah. You know, I mean, like a, a Halloween party, for instance. Oh. We we had um, a group that was conducive to having the dogs out. Yes. Right, for, the, for yes, our Yes, I would not. My, my mother and my father did not come. But there are other, other people who would have come that it wouldn't have been appropriate. Then we would have put them away. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, you know, with a nice top hole and yeah. all the things. But we look at what the guest are to decide what's the best thing for my mm-hmm. for the dog just like my parents my parents have had parties to where i was not to be there so i was sent off you were sent off there were also times that my parents like had parties you- that i was allowed to be there mm-hmm. right now granted my mother threw a damn party with a live band for my brother when he came home from the navy with his navy buddies the night before my act test and she wonders why i was so shitty on it you can retake the act well yeah it was a good party (laughs) i did not take the i did not retake the act um but the thing is is that there there are times that it's it should be kid slash dog friendly and times it's not Mm -hmm. there are times we've had parties where it's kid friendly sometimes it's not kid friendly Sometimes it's dog friendly. Sometimes it's not dog friendly. Yeah. And Amanda knows this because I've told her, you know, hey, my mom might be here. Like we had a big cookout. Yeah. Her parents came. My parents came. And I said, hey, my mom's not a big dog. So no dogs. Mm-hmm. And you know what? She was fine with that. Yeah. Even though Clark comes 99.9% of the time when she comes to our house, Clark is here. Yeah. But in that moment, I knew that that wasn't the right environment for it. Mm-hmm. And that's okay to do that. You just have to be aware of it and you have to be prepared. And again, it goes back to being proactive. And knowing your dog. Knowing your dog. Yeah. I mean, don't put them in a situation if you if your dog isn't, you know, nipped at people or bitten people. Like Yeah, let's maybe don't try to practice yeah, it. Yeah, maybe find a, a pet sitter, maybe board them somewhere. It's okay to board your dog for a party. Yeah. But I don't know that you answered the question that Gray asked. Or that OB and Jed asked, why are you different? Why are you different? Well, I think I did. When people come No, I think I did. Number one, because you might be, you can go twofold. You can either be too harsh and too firm and throwing a bunch of commands out because you're trying to impress your friends because you're a dog trainer. Or because you're distracted with your friends and you're not paying attention to us. And then we do something that's normally okay but because the environment's not right, you yell at us for it. I don't think that impress is the correct word. I think, um, again, I think it goes back to just like not wanting to disappoint people or not like wanting people to think you're like a fraud. So, well, wouldn't that be the same as impress? No, that's a completely it has a completely different connotation. This is where this is where Britt and I open up another bottle of wine, and then we spend the next hour and a half 
talking Impre- about the difference between impressing, impress. Impressing your friends is putting a shot collar on your dog and walking it through downtown Franklin. And saying, oh, off leash. he's off leash. No, it's just an f- invisible fucking leash that causes to a lot impress. more damage than... Yeah, I you think... You may not impress friends. You mean impress possible future clients. Right. I think... With, with people like you and Gray, it's more like, oh, God, I don't want them to think I don't know what I'm doing. So Well, I can tell you, I know, what the, not hell, I know impre- what the hell I'm doing. And I can tell you right now, if my dog, <laughs> that's not my dog and, I, and that's what I tell people, my dog's allowed to jump because I don't care. If you don't want it, ignore him. And management is important. All right. Yeah. But it's, it's important, though, in those situations, when that environment changes like that, it's important that my dog knows that they can look at me and know exactly my expectations. My job is to to communicate to my guest. Mm-hmm. So I think we did that actually at the Halloween party. Most people that were there probably knew, but there were some that had never met Myers. Mm-hmm. And I said, "He's allowed to jump." Yep. And you know that I, if you don't like that, just ignore it, or tell me, and I can interrupt him. But yeah, you know, but he has to count on me to be. The rock. Upper management. And that's what you guys have to do. No matter what the environment does, the environment's going to change on a regular basis. You have to be that rock that your dog needs. He does not need to worry about you as well. And and if there's anything you guys get from our podcast, that is that. You've got to be your dog's rock. Be consistent. Be proactive. Be their safety net. Please. They need that. Stop worrying about what everybody else thinks. Oof. We really went a long one on that one. That was a long time. Sorry, you got, guys. You got anything else to add? <laughs> Any testicle com- comments to finish up the podcast? <sighs> Literally had forgotten about it. But oh, and thanks. then I just brought it back. Here we go. Well, I tell you what, this was a really good one. I love that you guys sent all this in. I think it was really, really good. Um, and I think that a lot of dogs do feel the same way. And and even if you didn't send one in, I'm sure something kind of hit home. Um, our job is to help you be better owners. I I, I can, I can train dogs, but if you're not a better owner, if you're not a better partner for your dog, it's not going to do a whole lot of good. So I want to make you the best human owner, human, best owner, guardian, 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 best guardian that you can be. With your dog by completely understanding kind of what's going on. So, Britt, I'm, I'm so happy that we got to do two weeks in a row Woo-woo. of an episode. You will not be on next week because you're going out of town. I don't know what our next week episode's going to be. I'm only gone 24 hours. That's enough. But um, I'm going to party. Anybody want to party? I'm going to be single. So come on. Uh, I'm sure we'll come up with something for an episode next week, but, uh, we appreciate you guys. We love you guys. Um, and make sure that you are following us on Instagram. We are starting to put some more information out. Gray is in the process right now of editing a lot of good videos that he's going to be putting up on YouTube, on our YouTube channel. And of course, if you ever have questions, you need a zoom consult. Uh, if you have ideas for a podcast, um, anything like that, you know you can reach us at podcast at dogspeak101.com or info at dogspeak101.com if you need that Zoom meet. Um, and again, I think this was a great thing. I think we may need to do this one again, have people write in about some things because I think this is really good. I agree. Um, to, to help you be the best owners that you can be. Uh, I appreciate you guys. I love you guys. Um, and I really do hope that you guys have the, uh, a great rest of the week.